Hi, thanks for tuning in to High on Horror. I'm Drew. And I'm John. This episode and every future episode is dedicated to all the horror hounds and smokers out there who want to expand their knowledge of the genre and have a good time. Today we're reviewing Bury the Bride, a movie that sets a prime example of why you shouldn't rush off to get married so fast. Am I right, John? Forever. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> With us today, we have the star of the film as well as the co-writer and more, Chrissy Fox. She's going to spill her guts to us in an exclusive interview. All that and more today on High on, on Horror. Horror. Interviews, reviews, and the latest news all rolled into one. Alright, if you hear that noise, you know that it's time for Strain Wreck, the segment of our show that we love to start our show off with. The segment that we discuss what strain of cannabis we're getting wrecked on. John, what do we got today? You gotta get wrecked to get right, you know what I mean? Correct. You gotta wreck yourself and then check yourself. I'm down with <laughs> That's it. That's what everybody says. I'm down with it. <laughs> anyway, I got a new one. I saw the name. I was between this. I forget what the other one I was at. And I was like, I don't know. I just like the name of this one. So uh, <laughs> I got some Fog Dog. Fog Dog. All right. <laughs> it's funny because it has Fog Dog spelled as two words. And underneath it says AKA Fog Dog. Is and it, it has F- it as one word. Is it F O G G or F O G? F O G D O G. Okay. Two words. So just no like And it, it ain't no D A W G, no dad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh fog dog. <laughs> fog dog is a new stony indica strain from atlas seeds that will have you seeing the world through a haze i mean i feel like that was a good opportunity to say through a fog but what do i know this genetic combination of cotton candy we had that a couple weeks ago those, those those little popcorn buds i had that i gave you the other night oh yeah 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 that was the uh cotton candy and uh Gravenstein OG. It elicits a nose and palate that's heavy on sugar and sweet fruits, with a little diesel sweet kick. Sweet fruits, the, the way you said that. With a little diesel kick at the end. You all about your diesels. And uh, if you feel achy, nauseous, or just need a mental rest, Fog Dog does the trick. You know, you figure they come up with a better name. It's like telling you, you know, you can get some mental clarity. So uh, smoke Fog Dog. Yeah, Sounds right. like that would supposed to have the opposite effect and i'm going to be in a fog instead of clearing everything up <laughs> i feel like the name of this is for like when i want to forget shit yeah and right. not remember shit so. do you have to listen to fog hat when you smoke fog <laughs> dog? slow ride <laughs> uh if you smoke dabbed or otherwise enjoyed fog dog before let us know leave a review they're asking for reviews because uh you know i like to read off some funny ones but so we're this, gonna have to drop a review then or you're yeah, gonna have to drop uh, a review. i don't know if i I got, you got time. To. I'm, it's I'm, 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 I'm a busy guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so check this out. Um, while you're getting that ready, I wanted to bring up. Um, so, um, the former director of licensing at 20th Century Fox, Josh, Josh Izzo, he was on an um, episode Izzo. of the Perfect Organism podcast. And um, this was uh, reported by Bloody Disgusting, by the way. That, um, Thanks, Ali, reference, by the way. On this podcast. It's supposed um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, he josh i mean he revealed that uh there is a completed 10 episode anime series of alien versus predator that he produced that is sitting in the vault just rotting uh, it happened during the whole uh fox and disney buyout and mm. uh, it was at a, it was apparently it was at a time when like alien covenant was like upcoming like, about to happen and the predator hadn't happened yet so there was it was at a standstill type of moment where they were ready to release it and then the buyout happened and it's sitting in the vault and uh unfortunately it looks like it might never get released that i would sucks. love to see that 
I I would too. We'd probably be disappointed, but I don't know. But it's got to be better than the movies. Well, the action. You know what I mean. Not setting the bar very high. <laughs> like, no, I, I don't know. I don't some know. of the I, later ones, like I mean, obviously not one or two. Like, yeah, I, I they're just, the perfect um, organism. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I can't imagine what that would have been like. The different predator designs we would have seen, the action. Uh, I, I'm like disappointed. I hope that one day that that leaks somewhere and that we get it because uh, my son would love it. I'd watch it with him. I know it's probably super violent, but it's, it's <laughs> green blood, right? It's not. It's not human blood. It so. makes a difference, right? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But um, yeah. Uh, so if uh, I think now's a good time to get on to horror history. Horror hiss. This week in horror history. All right, let's kick this off. June 4th, Poltergeist from 1982. So that's what, 42 years? Or no, 41. Yeah. I don't know what the hell year we're in. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's been too long since I've seen this. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to rewatch it soon, but uh, I wanted to ask you, what's scarier, the first one or the second with Reverend Kane? First one. First one, I think the second one. First one's a better movie. I think the second one's scarier. Uh it's i was trying to think of the last time i've watched poltergeist i've watched bits and parts of it like here and there but the last time i sat down and watched it mm-hmm. dude i want to say it was like 2012 when i first got netflix it's oh, been a shit. long time since so I've we're seen gonna maybe this halloween you and i will do like a poltergeist trilogy get super baked order some pizzas it's and- gotta be better than hellraiser right <laughs> shit uh yeah uh june 4th also it's funny every time I bring this guy up to Nicole. We have the same conversation. <laughs> Who's that? And then I got explained and I'm like, we go through this convo every time. Cause I said, he's going to be at the con. And I was like, I really yeah, want to see the monster mania. Yeah. Keith David. I said, cause I didn't get to see him last time. And every time Nicole goes, who's Keith David. And I, uh, I forget what picture I sent her. Well, I mentioned child's from the thing. Uh, I, I, w- I wish you. Oh, from, uh, <laughs> Uh, there's something about Mary. <laughs> I sent her that picture. And she goes, oh, yeah. She's like, yeah, I do think we bring this up every time. I'm like, yeah. It's like, it's every time. I'm like, Keith David. And you're like, who's that? No, see, the, the issue with me is, I mean, even as a, like a fan of his for a long time. David Keith? Yes. It's not, it's not who is he. It's that I say his name right because it literally flips into my head. And I'll think, nah, Dave, David Keith sounds right. But then I'm like, no, nah, but that's the other dude, right? And I get confused. I literally have to look it up sometimes. It still gets me. David Keith, he played... Uh in one of my favorite sports movies, he played Parkman in Major League Two. Remember that meme with that was like Corbin Benson. Oh, nice! I was gonna say, remember that meme where it was like, uh, "What if there was a movie where Keith David played yes. David <laughs> Keith and like or some shit?" That should have been hilarious. the Face Off movie. <laughs> that should have been Face Off. It should have been Keith David and David Keith. That would have been great. That would have it's a missed opportunity. Somebody's got to come up with that movie at some it's point, right? Some, so, somebody get on chat GPT and make a Keith David, David Keith movie. <laughs> anyway, uh, June 5th, Man with the Screaming Brain 2005. Yeah, I wanted to it's say. It's almost coming up another couple years. It'll be 20 years old. That's right. And I wanted to say that uh, if anyone listening uh, has not seen this movie, you need to make it a priority. It is uh, Bruce Campbell plays a guy who gets his brain switched out with a Russian cab driver. Um, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't sound ridiculous because it is. Uh, it, but I've been championing the, championing the movie since it came out. Um, it, it's one of Bruce Campbell's best performances and B-movies. And uh, Ted Raimi-Foo. Ted Raimi-Foo. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, and, um, yeah, he said, uh, does it sound ridiculous? I just want to point out that 95% of what Bruce Campbell does and is Ted ridiculous. Ramey. And Ted Ramey, yeah. They're, yeah, they're it's ridiculous. ridiculous. So, yeah. no, I'm not surprised. Does it sound ridiculous? Yes, but it's Bruce Campbell, so I'm not. I'm going to believe it, yeah. Uh, moving on here, June 6th, we got two birthdays. We got Darcy, the male girl. All right. And Robert England. Yeah, all right. Happy birthday, guys. That's cool. Everybody knows Freddie Dead's the best uh you're wrong but okay <laughs> i'm saying that's i don't even believe that it's a new nightmare but moving on Dream uh, Warriors. you're always picking the 80s ones <laughs> sorry i mean i guess my favorite season is also an 80s but in fairness they were all 80s movies for the most part <laughs> yeah fair enough uh anyway june 7th the purge 2013 i think that we probably talked about this many a blunts yeah. and many a moons ago but uh i'm only a fan of the first one anarchy was okay but uh, did you like them i don't remember uh have you seen them okay nicole and i did not see the first purge in theaters okay second one came out and i think my movie theater was maybe still opened at the time so we saw it there the third one came out nicole's like well we already saw the first two so we went and saw that in theaters they did five right yeah okay because yeah it was the fourth one was the first purge i think they did five dude i don't even know anymore i, I think forget because then we saw we didn't see the most recent one in theaters but like other than that every time it was just well we already saw the other ones it was kind of like the saw franchise yeah yeah but like i mean they're okay and if to be honest with you you asked me about anarchy dude i besides the first one i can't differentiate any of the ones from the other ones and to there's be a fucking television show that i've never watched the uh, yeah i've of. not watched the tv show i didn't really have interest kind of kind of like when they did the scream tv show i didn't have any interest yeah I, I mean, think, it's I still think, probably better than Scream 6. I think what I liked about the first one was that, like, the first one was a social commentary, but it was also the first time you saw, like, that scenario, so it was kind of, like, badass and new. But as the movies and show, I believe, I haven't seen the show, like I said, but... It became it's more a, political. It's more political and all about every every episode or season or movie is a social commentary, and it's like, I don't watch a, I don't need to watch a Purge movie because I, I don't need, I don't want to have to be intelligent <laughs> to watch a Purge movie. You know what I mean? Like, smart it, man. You should just make it so it's people <laughs> fucking running around to whatever the they want and you got people trying to survive cut the cut through the bullshit and stop trying to you know always why were you just gonna take a vacation bro that's why i love slashers dude that's why we love slashers because they don't some some do you know but for the most part slashers are not social commentaries they just cut right the fuck to the point like sometimes you don't need all that extra layer of story listen i'm just saying in the purge tell me i would buy i would invest in a boat (laughs) and then i would charge people to come with me each year during the purge and we could just go like sail out in the water and yeah, shit until right? the purge was over and it, come back that's the so you make it money you make it stacks bruh yeah right that's a that's a really good idea <laughs> but like but seriously though why does nobody just take like a one-day vacation like like say you live in like buffalo new york just hop over to canada for a day <laughs> yeah. just like hang out and come back <laughs> right. like your right. property might be gone but you're gonna be alive yeah exactly what's more important your windows anyway, or your life? we devoted anyway. a lot to the purge yeah. so i'm gonna keep rolling along here june 8th 1984 <sighs> ghostbusters and gremlins hold up same day dude same which day. one are you seeing which one are you see ghostbusters or gremlins you can only see one no movie hopping even though you know we would movie hop. As I feel like I probably commonly do and incur the wrath of people for not 
have what's probably the consensus opinion, I would go Gremlins. Me too. <laughs> Me too. 100%. Ghostbusters is the better movie, but yeah. I I like Gremlins more. Gremlins is, is just pure fun, man. Hell yeah. I'd be there. I, I enjoy Ghostbusters. I would love to see that at theaters with some popcorn and shit. Hell yeah. I enjoy Ghostbusters, but I don't enjoy it necessarily, I feel, on the level that I feel like a lot of people I, do. I agree with I, I, It's a me, good movie. I enjoy yeah. it, but there's like, compared to like you and me with The mm-hmm. Crow. Like you love the crow and I'm just like, oh, it's okay. Yeah. I kind of feel like that's how I am with Ghostbusters. I'm like, it's okay. And there's people that are just fucking love that movie. Ghostbusters and Indiana Jones were the big misses for me. Those are really like popular Indiana ones Jones. that everybody likes. I'm just not a fan of those. But yeah, like you said, but I love the crow. So I guess, you know, what's that say about Yeah, that? I mean, I don't like the crow and a lot of people like it. But uh, yeah, uh, so June 9th, Johnny Depp. He oh, said he don't day? need Hollywood. He doesn't need validation from Hollywood anymore. Yeah, bro, because you fucking rich. Like, yeah. what do you mean? Yeah, yeah I don't right. need. Yeah, if I had your money, I wouldn't need validation from them either. I'd be like, <laughs> kiss my whole asshole. <laughs> be like, I'm rich, motherfucker. Amber Turd gonna be paying me some money. Amber Turd. <laughs> I just left that in there. Uh, oh, uh, but I'm just saying, like that 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 shit made made me laugh when he was just like, oh, I don't need their validation anymore. Yeah, bro, because you're rich. You don't yeah. need to ever make a movie again. You haven't needed validation in a long time. Like, you made... Dude, how much money did he make on them damn pirate movies? Uh, he might, he might, he needed a little validation after fucking Charlie and the Chocolate Factory <laughs> came out, but he redeemed yeah. himself. Anyway, uh, man, another good movie, June 10th. This week, or at least these, these span of dates, some good-ass movies, High Tension. Yeah, from what? What year was it? Two thousand five. Two thousand five. Shit. Yeah, that one's coming up on twenty. So yeah, years old eighteen. Too. Yeah, the thing is, it's I, legal, baby. This is not the most extreme horror movie that I've ever seen, obviously. But I, I use this as a measuring stick to this day. That's why I fucking watched it with you. That's why I've watched it with other people, like my sister. If I want people to watch something, or if people come to me and say, "Hey, I want to watch something totally brutal and fucked up," this is the movie I put on. And based on how they take it, is based on whether or not we could be friends. <laughs> no, but uh, dude, that dresser decap. I always talk about that. That dude, decapitation from the dresser. That's fucking insane. We've talked about movies like we. We've talked about a Serbian film and stuff like that. And you just have like one or two images just burned in your mind from yeah. the movie at high tension that and the lawnmower. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. That's the two that I'm yes. just like, whatever you mention that movie, that's all I think of What the, the lawnmower from sinister. You mean? Oh or yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. That's yeah, what the, I thought, the lawnmower yeah. from sinister. Yeah. And yeah, that head that head decapitation from high tension. Dude, that lawnmower scene in Sinister got fucking everybody. <laughs> dude, <laughs> yeah. dude, it was worse when we're watching the surround sound. Cause it's just here we are talking about sinister again but and i probably already said this exact shit but like dude just the it was the sound of it just being silent and mm-hmm. you're just like it's silent silent it's just like, like <laughs> yeah like it's I, would, I remember you i don't know who was in charge shoulder, of sound man. of that movie but like it got damn you. well done but uh no i remember you looking over your shoulder um like when the little <laughs> kids hear, were like, running by fuck? like you actually looked over your shoulder it made me laugh i was like yeah this movie's fucking getting to them sinister's a good ass movie Dude, especially man. like if you have surround sound man you gotta do it because you, you just to, like yeah. dude that was shit was nuts you could just hear the footsteps like behind. it sounded, it sounded like, like it was legit like the footsteps side they were on like the wooden floor right in front yeah. of us like you know like what the hell but uh, uh, maybe maybe it helped because the floor was wooden as well it's <laughs> set the mood yeah no, but uh yeah pitch black no lights maybe some candles and surround sound that's how you have to watch sinister absolutely but um yeah 
Um, I guess uh, <laughs> found another way to talk about Sinister. Found another way to talk about Sinister. But uh, let's get into that PPA, that puff puff ass. All right, puff puff ass. Yeah, man, puff puff pass. Puff puff ass was a segment of our show where we read off messages that you listeners write into us on social media at High on Horror four twenty and through email at High on Horror four twenty at gmail dot com and our website at High on Horror dot com. I'll start. Had to pause Ooh. for that bong rip, though. All right. Uh, Tim G asks us. Tim G? Yeah, he asked, uh, have you seen Bruce Campbell's recent tweets? And what do you think the odds are of him coming back as Ash for another movie? <coughs> well, um, I think it all depends. Um, have you seen his tweets, John? I have not seen his tweets. What, what's, uh, what, what's, what's the deets? So... Basically, <coughs> damn. All right. So basically, Bruce Campbell tweeted and said that uh, somebody tweeted, actually, some fan, and they were like, man, after seeing Evil Dead Rise, I really liked that movie, but it made me really miss Ash. And Bruce Campbell actually responded to the tweet and said, I'm starting to kind of miss him too, dot, 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 a little bit, or something along okay. those lines. So um, that's why he's asking, Tim's asking, uh, what do we think the odds are of him coming back? And after Evil Dead Rise was done filming, Sam Raimi told Bruce Campbell he needs to get his ass in shape. So there's a few things playing, but um, uh, I, I mean, guess I would. I, oh, never mind. I'll let you finish, and I'll give my opinion. I, was just I just say, yeah, like I, you know I, how it is with some of those movies. You're like you got that opinion right yeah. there. I, I think it all depends, man. I think uh, if they if he really wants if everybody involved really wanted to make it happen, it'll happen. But the truth is, I don't know, think a lot of people know this, but um, Evil Dead getting canceled, the reason that Bruce kind of just accepted it getting canceled and didn't like fight it, even though like everybody was disappointed and he was disappointed, there, he was content with it, and he was able to just walk away. And the reason was, was because like it was actually really beating him the fuck up. Um, roles in the Evil Dead series are very physical, and it was taking its toll on Bruce. You know, he's older now, and uh, he said that on a day-by-day basis, he would be interviewing the episode directors and telling them, hey, hey, uh, we got to redo the fight scene in this episode because my left knee isn't working today or my back's out and stuff like that. And they would have to like figure out ways to like still get him to like do fight scenes and get the shots that they needed for the scenes. And uh, it was very rough on him in his age. So, uh, again, I think if everybody involved really wanted to do it, um, I know that John and I would be sitting there fucking first two tickets sold at that theater, at our local <laughs> theater. We'll be there if it happens. Um, the only thing that was... <sighs> If he does come back, I don't want it to be with this Evil Dead. Like, like this, like kind of how when we talked on the episode about let it be how, how, how they recognize right? each one's like their own thing. Yeah, I feel like you don't need to. We don't need Ash in that one. Yeah, let Ash come back into you know his own kind of thing. Doesn't need to be any connection with this Evil Dead. But I would still be interested in seeing the Evil Dead Rise series kind of continue. Agreed. So, like, yeah, like, almost like how, how they do uh, DC movies where like you can have you can have Batman movies you can have Michael Keaton playing Batman in the Flash movie but you have Robert Pattinson doing the Batman and Ben Affleck playing playing Batman and in the ben Flash Affleck, movie like, so yeah so yeah. yeah if they can do what the Evil Dead universe could do we yeah, have right? two ongoing we need an Evil Dead universe two ongoing universes or alternate EDU. universes at the same time the Bruce Campbell Ash storyline. And the Evil Dead Rise continuation. I'm all for it. The um, EDCU, the Evil Dead Cinematic Universe. I know a lot of people want to see him and Beth, Ash and Beth uh, from the Evil Dead Rise and Mia from the 2013 remake. 
Uh, I, I know a lot of people say that he, they want to see him team up with them, but I think that that would never work because the thing about Pablo and um, well, oh my god, why can't I think of her name? Don't, Kelly. Kelly, Kelly. The um, the, I think the thing that worked with Pablo and Kelly was that they were definitely like kind of followers. Like even Kelly, she was a little smarter and oh, wittier. Oh, Pablo for sure. But you know, they, they but but to uh, put you're putting uh, they were Ash sidekicks. In there. Correct. You're putting Ash in there now with like two alpha females, and like he wouldn't be like the leader necessarily. I don't really think that would work. That's, I don't that's think they would listen to. Too, him. Yeah, that's too much. And he would be kind of like he would be like a smaller role in the three. Uh, he wouldn't have as much. Uh, I don't think he'd be in charge as much, and I don't think that would work very well. So I don't think a crossover is a, is necessarily a great idea. I but I agree with you that. Uh, the universe is continuing, like in their own separate universes, yeah. is a good idea. Yeah, like I said, the Evil Dead cinematic universe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I just think it should be Ash should kind of be his be his own thing, and each of those should kind of be on their own. I feel like you know, obviously, Ash now as a character is it's kind of like Chucky, where it was started with the semi serious, semi comedy, and mm-hmm. it's just more leaned into the horror comedy at right this point. right right and i just don't think that would mesh well with evil dead rise which was taken you know the more serious approach of the yeah. earlier evil dead yeah. movies definitely but i mean i i don't give a shit if they announced that they were good he was going to be a part of evil dead rise i'm still going to see it look i don't I, look we're talking about evil dead and i don't mean to segue and like go off onto like a tangent here but i have to tell you something that i know that you're going to be like, what? I told my wife this earlier. So I'm, I'm watching, I told you and our producer, Josh, that we're, that I was like, well, going through Kung Fu movies and kind of like dissecting that genre. And yeah. I was like, what I'm doing, dude, I watched a movie that I had no idea going into it, that it was a horror movie. It was a Kung Fu horror movie okay. from the eighties. And it was like the, the Shaw brothers movies had started to decline. So they decided to try to copy what America was doing. And like, uh, America was like really thriving on horror in the eighties. And, uh, uh, especially sure. like taking over like the, uh, after the Evil Dead boom with all the gore and stuff, dude. This was a horror kung fu movie called The Boxer's Omen from the eighties. It was literally like John Claude Van Damme's uh, Bloodsport with um, okay. like with like I don't even fuck it with Evil Dead and uh, starring get this starring uh, Bolo Leone. Okay. Yeah, Van Damme's opponent yeah. in Bloodsport. So I thought when I told you that, I was like, Yo, I bet you John's going to be like, all right, I should check this shit out. Dude, it is batshit crazy. This dude cuts his head off, and his head flies across the room, and like little veins come out of it and like wrap around the other dude's face and like lift him in the air. It's like just gory, like reanimator type of He's shit. He's still Chong Lee to me. <laughs> it's, Chong uh, Lee was a pain. It's awesome, though. But yeah, anyway, sorry. Uh, you yeah. got a question. Man, I, I mean, we could talk about Bloodsport now. I'd be down for <laughs> Yeah, we could watch it too. Right. <laughs> Put it on in the background. I'm just going to quickly throw out because it's. I'm going to argue that Mortal Kombat's horror related, but did you hear about an alternate skin for the new Mortal Kombat movie? John Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Right? They said after 30 years after or something. Finally, like that. He's finally going to be the character he was. The character that was based off of him. Oh, shit. Nice. So John, Johnny Cage was based off John Claude Van Damme. So, so, oh, so he's going to be Johnny Cage? It's going to be him, though? And he's going to. In the video game, I was hoping it was like a movie. I was like, oh, shit. That they finally came. But it's uh, the new Mortal Kombat 1 game. Yeah. He's going to be an alternate skin for Johnny Cage. It's going to be Dude, Jean-Claude nice. Van Damme. I, I thought it, when I saw the news, I was hoping you were going to get like his Bloodsport skin or something. Right. Kickbox- yeah, that'd be bad Dude, ass. the kickboxer with like Yo, the glass on his hands. You know, I need like a Frank Tarzan Dukes in the, one of the UFC games. <laughs> Him and Chong yes, Lee. Frank <laughs> Dude, that'd be amazing. All right. Yeah. I need to stop. Uh, <laughs> we haven't even got to the second question. Oh, shit. 
Uh, what horror games are you guys currently playing? I need recommendations. Rude. Who who asked this? Oh Who's shit! The name Terry B. Terry B. Okay. Terry B. Asking questions. <laughs> what was the question again? Uh, what horror games are you guys currently playing? You need some recommendations. I mean. I'm playing Destroy All Humans 2, to be honest, and I really like it, but it's like a really dumb, dumb person game. But you're the gamer, so you, you have, um, I'm sure you have a good answer for this one. I still keep playing on and off uh, Dead Rising 4 on my Steam Deck. Oh, shit. Isn't that the game John Carpenter talks about all the time? Or no, Dead no. Space, right? Dead, Dead Space. Okay, okay. I still haven't got to those. I want to play it now that they made a remake. But uh, Dead Rising 4, the guy's a photojournalist. It's the fourth game, obviously, but like you find these weapons and you can start like combining them. Like I took fireworks. It's set around Christmas time. I took like Christmas ornaments and put them in this like Christmas ornament. I just have a giant ball with like broken ornaments, just beating the shit out of zombies. <laughs> like they had like a sledgehammer, but you put like C4 on it. So when you hit them with the, with the sledgehammer, it explodes. So I'm just out there like triple H and people. <laughs> That's awesome. You have to, uh, you have your, uh, you, uh, laptop up with the Triple H theme playing <laughs> while you're playing. That'd be amazing. Oh, dude. And they also had the fucking, uh, from uh, Friday 13th Part 7. The, like, hedge trimmer. Oh, yeah. Like, add that on. Just go around and cutting up zombies. That's brutal as hell. That's awesome. But you get, like, guns and shit, too. It's fun. What console is this on? Uh, I mean, you can get it on, like, PS4. It's been out for a while. Like I've never heard of it. Sounds awesome. But There's a whole bunch in the series. I And, uh, I started playing a series. I'm only just like literally just started playing it um uh devil may cry it's like an action rpg i played the first game i think the first one was on like the original playstation yeah right? yeah i played that i, I played it, that shit i also bought it on steam deck it was on sale for nine dollars it's the first three games oh nice so i played like the first part it's pretty fun very cool and uh shit what else i've been playing playing a lot of wwe but any horror um on and off i've been trying the puppet master game they they're really I'll give them credit. Like when I first played it, it was really rough to get through some stuff. But like they're working on. I'll it. give them credit. Like all the time, I'm always getting updates for, it and they're always updating stuff. Because like one of them was like, you can go into a vent. The problem is when you went into the vent, the camera was like hard to see what you were doing. Like I literally got stuck in there for like three minutes in a simple as vent because I couldn't see where I was going. Oh shit! Okay. But they worked on it, patched in like. They've been working on it pretty good. And you said my boy Torch is in the game? Yeah. That's amazing. He's slow as hell. He'll fuck you up, though, man. My man sets you ablaze. I love that dude. I still don't really think I know what I'm doing in the game, though. I just attack people, but I always end up just... Dude, it's funny. You'll laugh at this. Like They'll like kick you and shit, and it's a meter where you're stunned, and it just says ragdolled. <laughs> That's hilarious. But, uh, yeah, and the one, I'll keep plugging it. I don't know why they don't do anything for me, but uh, the Killer Clowns from Outer Space game. I want that to fuck come out. I can't wait, man. I cannot wait for that. My son, too. Oh, and I told you I a little bit played. I've only played maybe about 20 minutes, but I had fun uh, of the Evil Dead game. Yeah, yeah. Heard that game was hard as shit. I plan on buying it. It's on sale now, so I'm sure I'll get it. I'm behind. I, it's going to be one of those things like with reading where once I finally decide, okay, now I'm going to set aside time to catch up on gaming, I'm just going to be full-blown in that. Like for, But right now, I just have too many things going on. I just can't make the time for it. And on my Steam on my Steam Deck, I downloaded a uh, game uh, you're a big fan of. It's Left 4 Dead games. Oh, my God. Left 4 Dead 2, man. My favorite video game of all time. 
That shit you, was even so early much original fun. UFC. Man, I remember like those were blockbuster days. I remember like getting fucking destroyed, getting drunk, getting high as shit, like smoking like <laughs> fucking ten blunts, then going in the basement of my boy's house and like all like we just taking turns uh, playing fucking Left for Dead too with the lights out and shit. Some of us, some of us would be scared, some of us would be laughing. It was just like it was intense. It was such a fun experience. I always witch, remember man. that, man. Stay, uh, my thing, you know, set off a car alarm and then get on top of a car. And then when them zombies start coming at you, get that chainsaw out and just spin in a circle, leather face style, and cut them bitches up, man. Kenny, I, had, I had my whole method worked out. I love that game. Ken, Kenny used to get so mad at me because me and him would play together. <clears throat> and he used to just get so mad because I was not very strategic about it. I'm just running and gunning. And I would end up, he's like, stay the fuck away from the witch. And he's fucking cussing at me because I'm too far ahead and I just tripped the witch. And she's like just fucking fucking us up and shit. He's so mad. I used oh, to piss hilarious. Kenny off and shooting games a lot because I'm more about like I ain't got time. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm right. like Jesse Ventura. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, um, <laughs> if any of you listeners out there have any questions for us, reach out to us on social media at High on Horror 420 or email us at High on Horror 420.com. I'm sorry. <laughs> or email us at highonhorror420 at gmail.com or visit our website, highonhorror.com. Now let's get into our review of Barry the Bride. Ain't so simple to remember those sometimes, is it? No, it's really not. It's really not. Right, today's film is Barry the Bride, a 2023 horror film directed by Spider One, co-written by Spider One, and today's guest Chrissy Fox. Uh, the movie features a talented ensemble cast, including Chrissy Fox as Sadie, Scout Taylor Compton as June, Dylan Rourke as David, Lindsay LaRose as Carmen, Chaz Bono as Puppy, Rachel Bruner as Liz, Katie Ryan as Betty, Andy Markin Nowitz. That is not wits. I don't know why. I no, said it's, that. it's uh, uh, Markinowski. <laughs> Thank you. Or Marcinowski. I don't. One of those. I changed it to a different Polish end, and like my buddy Radowitz. Uh, and Cameron Copperwaith as Bobby. And uh, so basically, we have a group of friends, and they decide to have a bachelorette party in a small cabin. Uh, they start the evening by playing a drinking game, and one of their friends, Liz, gets intoxicated. She just starts talking nonsense and just starts digging into people's ass. <laughs> she just got shit to say about everybody. Yeah. Uh, as the night progresses, tensions rise between Sadie and June, and that leads to a heated argument. Uh, during, and then the next day, they're having more festivities. Sadie grabs a bottle of expensive wine and delivers a toast. But, like, for me, like, it came off so insincere. It was, like, you could tell, like, she didn't mean the shit she was saying. Yeah, but uh, it's also um, in, in Jeepers Creepers 2, you know, I hate to say this because it's going to call a lot of people out. But in Jeepers Creepers 2, something said that's very true. And it's uh, when you're angry or drunk is when you tend to tell the truth. Yeah. So, even though, like, again, these are harsh truths. But there are things beneath the surface that just sh she shouldn't be fucking saying. But she's saying them. And uh, suddenly uh, we hear like a knock at the door and then it's a group of just rowdy rednecks show up scaring yep. the shit out of all the girls pretty much. 
uh sadie uh definitely appears the most angry yeah she immediately she, is, is like yeah. who the fuck are these guys yeah. why are I they don't here i want them here get right. the fuck out just immediately lets it be known that she's uncomfortable she wasn't she's immediately like not a victim she's not just like oh okay whatever you say like no she's like she's standing toe-to-toe with these fucking yeah. rednecks like yeah and uh yeah meanwhile uh we got a guy named david who uh turns out to be uh june's fiance his voice man yeah the voice of uh there's just it just it had that his voice he got, he very got that intimidating. he got that uh he got that payment voice yeah <laughs> from, from, from last shift yeah dude he has that voice where he, he it's got a, that it's a cult leader voice, voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he got that cult leader voice fair enough uh but uh homie just starts acting like he owns the place just makes himself right at home <laughs> and uh june confesses to sadie that she knew the boys were coming uh which only adds to sadie's displeasure even more uh in the midst of the chaos mike shares a story about losing his ear D- this the shit it made me laugh about this when he was like yeah so i lost it in a game of chance and he's like telling the story and the part it made me laugh is he goes uh yeah the guy had some kind of accent either mexican or french yes <laughs> everybody's like that's that's not even like you should be able to tell the difference yeah, in that yeah that's not right the girls find it amusing when he mentions it and uh, amidst the conversation someone comments uh, about david supposedly having a missing tooth uh june apparently we don't actually see her say it, but it was brought up earlier that because they're like, "Oh yeah, doesn't he have missing teeth?" Yeah, and but he has a full set of teeth. And then uh, David mentions they haven't properly secured the perimeter uh, due to the presence of wildcats, and that sparks a debate with some of the girls about the boys' intentions. Yeah, uh, dude, my favorite again. I think it was my guy Mikey. It says the line when she's like, "So you're going to kill those innocent animals? What are you, some kind of vegan?" <laughs> <laughs> that shit had me dying yeah you texted me and you were like yeah Mike's i was like my Mike, he's my guy he's yeah. a scumbag but i like him cactus jack looking motherfucker <laughs> yeah he got he got that half ear the long hair <laughs> i didn't even realize with the ear but that's hilarious Mick foley does have half an ear oh that's great uh so uh always gotta throw in some ref- wrestling references and uh carmen is fucking horny as shit <laughs> but, <laughs> to say the least man she's throwing herself yo, all she's these throwing guys. herself at cactus jack pretty yeah, much yeah. They, they, they 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 flirt in heart yep yeah. <laughs> and uh she wants to go with the boys and i was like i've seen these videos before yeah right <laughs> right i uh, know i feel you though that's exactly what i think everybody's thinking i was like, like this oh is, she 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 just trying to go to get laid like you mentioned ragdoll earlier <laughs> we're talking about the puppet Christ. master video game and that's but yeah. like that seems like that's what she was going for obviously yeah. <laughs> um and then yeah the others don't want her to go but she ends up going with them anyway and then she ends up having like this whole dance scene in front of the truck yeah. And you know what i will say i did not picture rednecks listening to like some edm type music I you know what i was gonna this. say though that's funny was that usually during these types of like scenes like i've talked to you before like it can make me feel uncomfortable i'm kind of a prude with stuff like that yeah. especially if it goes on for too long but i fucking dig the song so i'm legit watching <laughs> it bob in my head just like all right i can watch this one <laughs> and uh so yeah so uh then she take mike wants to take a photo with her and uh I'm not going to spoil anything. We're going to save the spoilers for uh, 
the interview. There's yeah. not really too many, and we'll give you a warning during the interview about it. But uh, after she takes the photo, her phone's given back to her, and uh, she's in a state of shock after getting her phone back. To say the least. And uh, we'll leave it at that. I think that's... Uh, that is, yeah. So let's, let's do our ratings. Yeah, and uh, for me, uh, Barry the Bride impressed me a lot. I think it's an amazing follow-up to uh, Allegoria. Spider and Chrissy put together a very good script. It yeah. contains tension. The bickering felt real. Uh, the chase scenes, if you will, were, fil- <laughs> were filled with dread. Every once in a while, I'll get that slasher movie. And that's what a good slasher does is even though you're not necessarily scared, you just, you can feel the tension and you're just like, okay, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, I forget who it was in horror compared it to the Jack in the box where you're just building that tension yeah, I know and you're just waiting about. for something. Yeah. And that's what a lot of good slashers do. Uh, it makes you feel a little nervous when people are creeping around wondering where, you know, the killers might be. Uh, the movie never felt like it dragged anywhere for me. And uh, off the top of my head, personally, this is a contender for me for horror movie of the year. Like, nice. I was I was generally pleased with this movie. I give it like an eight point three out of ten. Nice, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. See, I hadn't seen trailers for this one going. I didn't yet. either. When when you told me about it, I didn't even check out any trailers. I just I saw the brief synopsis uh-huh. about what it was about was just a bachelorette party and shit pops off. That's all I know about. I was like, I'm not even going to watch a trailer. I'm just going to put the movie on and watch it. Right. Which I need to start doing that with more movies. And yeah, I always go say in that. blinded, man, you know, but like, yeah, I had, I had no idea what to expect. Truthfully, I thought it was going to be about like a marriage gone wrong and a guy kills his wife and maybe she comes back from the dead or something like just based on the title, something kind of like a tales from the crypt episode, you know, or like um, a pervy redneck people. <laughs> like, I feel like that's what well, I didn't even know it was rednecks. You know what I mean? But, um, the, the thing is though, people. is that, you know, going in with no expectations, the movie like sub subverted my expectations a bit because the movie is so much more than that uh yeah. the performances are all around uh convincing i think all the acting was really good i think personally to me chrissy and dylan stole the show like their acting was like really good like they, they were the characters that you were compelled to watch when they, when they were talking he was um, a big david fan yeah um yeah, yeah dude he was I'm a, a mikey guy just chilling character. in the back looking like bobby i just like dylan because he just didn't take any shit like you know he's just getting mouthed off and he just goes you watch your tone and I'm just like, all right, I get, I like <laughs> I get it. Yeah, there I was think, something I think along the everybody lines. Everybody wants to say that to their woman at some point, you know. And there I mean, was everybody, but, but nobody can say it as cool or as badass as that. When he did. was like, somebody shut this bitch up or shut up, bitch or something like that. And <laughs> yeah. I was just like, damn, homie, just gonna. Like, yeah, right. I was like, you all known each other five minutes. But yeah, um, the twist is sweet. I did not expect the twist or what what the uh, uh yeah, I didn't expect that at all. Um, we get gore, nope. suspense. Um, and a sexy dance scene lit by headlights, like you said. Um, I really also, I really liked the tension between the characters because that's how it is in real life. You have all this resentment or unsaid things that lead you to being able to easily criticize each other so quickly. And, you know, that's, that's good writing and it exposed the characters as being real and relatable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, it's one hell of a good time, man. 100% rewatchability, uh, eight out of 10 for me. Yeah. I mean, you can't say much more um yeah i mean we're halfway through the year i'm like i said i'm going off the top of my head and i mean i would say at the very least it's top three for me this top year. three for sure yeah top three for sure 
Although and it's funny, non-horror related, my number one movie of the year, I've said this like every episode, I think, is Puss still Boots. John Wick 4. John Wick 4 is my movie of the year, horror or not. That's my movie I right was thinking now. it was Puss in Boots. I mean, that movie's good, too. I've had to watch it like a thousand times yeah. for my kids, but... You sound, you, sound, you sound like you're being tortured. I mean, at first, but now I'm just used to it. I think I'm just like, you know, just, <laughs> just so used to the beating. That comfortably it's just, numb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway, let's get into our uh, interview with our guest, Chrissy Fox, and uh, talk more about Barry the Bride. All right. Our guest today is the co-writer and producer of Barry the Bride. She's also the editor and the star. Welcome, Chrissy Fox. Thank you for being on High on Horror. Thanks for having me. All right, so uh, for starters, uh, we always ask our guests this because, you know, in our opinion, horror and cannabis go together like peanut butter and uh, chocolate. <laughs> um, do you partake in the devil's lettuce at all? I mean, I'm not like a, a you know, daily, but yeah, I mean, if, if there's a... If there's an event that it makes sense, absolutely. It can be great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we'll definitely agree with that. Uh, now, now, do you like smoking? Do you like edibles, vaping? I can't do edibles. I, I've tried it a couple times, and I, I freak the fuck out like I do. So I, I can't do it. <laughs> I'm hoping that maybe as I get older, I'll chill out and I can handle it better. But, um, but no, just smoking it, if I ever do it, it that's that tends to be... Yeah. Anytime I've ever eaten it, edibles, anything, I, I, yeah, lose my mind. I'm horrible. That's fair. I mean, that's happened to me a couple of times where I feel like maybe there was more milligrams than what I was being told. And I'm like, okay, this is way too intense for the situation I'm in right now. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I, just, I don't understand how much I'm supposed to take. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe you guys can teach me. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yeah, we just, uh, what attracted you to the horror genre it's, itself? Oh, everything. I mean, I remember seeing films like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre really young and, you know, the first really scary film I saw, which now doesn't feel scary, but at the time it did was the fly. And, uh, I was three Great years movie. old and I was in a hotel room. So I was in like a strange place and I had to sleep on the floor that night. And all I could think about was that it was under the bed and uh. um, yeah. And so I don't know, there's something about that sensation of being scared. And when I first saw the Texas chainsaw massacre and realizing I was completely horrified, like traumatized and it ended. And then I just wanted to watch it again. So maybe there's something really <laughs> wrong. I just had never really seen a film that that way, you know what I mean? And I just, I right. wanted that feeling again and the adrenaline. And so, yeah, horror has been consistently my favorite genre my entire life. Yeah, it's funny you said that because it was the same way for, uh, I believe, John and I as well. Our favorite movie is Halloween, the original Halloween, and it scared oh, yeah. the living shit out of us. But uh, <laughs> like, we, our first thought was like, I want to watch it again. And it's like, well, I don't know what it is, but like, why are you like magnetized to something that just terrified you? I don't know what it is, but I don't know. Yeah, and some people are smart, and they're like, no, like I'm not going to do it. I, want, I don't want to have nightmares. But I'm like, well, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think some of my nightmares have actually inspired scripts and stories and so you know what i'm like whatever it's it's just it's a <laughs> there's no genre that you can get romance and you can get comedy but then you can also get terror and gore you know it's it's the it's the only one that you get everything 
hundred percent. And uh, so you have a band, correct? Tell us about that. I do. I have a band called Knee Fox. We've been around since about 2011. Um, and we've toured a lot. Uh, it's funny when I started out as a songwriter, so I would write songs for other bands and you kind of have to write in a box sort of, because you have to, you're, you know, writing lyrics that someone else has to say and believe. So you have to really think about the band and, you know, what they're comfortable saying or, or what their message is. And so, which is great, but I was also like, you know, I need an outlet that I can just say whatever I want and do whatever I want. And if I want to make totally. a song that has rap in it, but then metal and I can just do whatever I want and there's no limitations creatively. So that's kind of where Nehi Fox started. And, you know, we've, we've done a lot of, a lot of it was been actually very uh, inspired by the horror genre too, which was cool for me because I, I always, there wasn't a ton of bands that when we started that were doing that, that, you know, it was just, you know, would write songs about horror films that inspired them or, and there's a lot more now. Um, so that was really fun. And so then, you know, the band, we just started touring and we started getting a following and I was like, Oh wow, cool. There's, there's some people who, whose brains work the way mine, mine does, <laughs> you know what I mean? And right. it's, it's just a really yeah. high energy, fun band. And when you go to our show, it's always, you know, pretty crazy and, you know, lots of jumping around and moshing and, and it's, it's great. I love it so much. And I actually miss touring. I've been doing a lot more film lately, so I haven't toured in, in a couple of years, but you know, a lot of people unfortunately had to stop during the pandemic. So I'm not the only one. Right, right. And you, uh, but you write music for other people as well, right? I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So you're just all around very creative. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been really lucky. I, I got to work with some great bands like Theory of a Dead Man and Hailstorm and Pop Evil and New Year's Day and a bunch of really cool rock bands that I really, really love. And so it's, it's great. And it keeps, you know, keeps all the different creative elements, you know, it's, it's, it's fun and challenging when you have to write for a band that, you know, already exists and already has a voice. So, you know, you always have to kind of think about, well, what would they say and what something new that they could say and, and then come to them with, uh, you know, fresh ideas. And it definitely keeps my brain working. Oh, that's awesome. Absolutely. Um, okay. So, uh, since I wanted to ask you now, we're going to get into Barry the Bride. Um, since okay. you co-wrote Barry the Bride, I'm curious as to what made you want to be uh, the role of Sadie, to play the role of Sadie, the responsible one. You know, it was funny. Um, with Barry the Bride, all the characters, specifically the women, they're kind of just extensions of themselves, like the actual the actresses who play the characters. And they're, they're just like the more extreme versions of themselves. And we sort of realized that as we started shooting it and originally it was I was gonna either play June or I was gonna play Sadie and I was leaning away from Sadie because I was like well you know I'm actually I'm the big sister in, in my life like I have two little sisters and a lot of the inspiration for the story actually came from that so I was like well maybe it'd be more interesting to play June because it's a different character um but it just made a lot of sense. And, and, you know, when we started talking, Scout is a really good friend of our friend of ours. And when we started talking about her playing June, it just made a lot of sense. Um, and her and I love each other so much. It was very easy for her to play my sister. And she actually looks like my little sister a little bit. So um, it all kind of just 
fell into place the way it was supposed to. And I'm actually really glad I got to play Sadie because the character unravels in a way that I've, you know, never, I've never got to play a character like that. She almost becomes an animal at the end of the movie. You know what I mean? And I thought that that was really fun. Like her arc from going, like being this like really uptight materialistic sort of girl who's just trying to keep everyone under control. And she's sort of like the alpha of, the group and then she just when she realizes she has no control over this situation just watching her slowly unravel and I was so exhausted as was everyone else as while we were shooting this film that I just naturally unraveled anyway so it was really it was a really authentic <laughs> thing to do that's awesome and uh, yeah I had another question about Sadie but real quick I'm just going to jump back to that you mentioned the band Hailstorm like Hailstorm's huge in this area they started out as like a local band on the radio for for like a local shot segment and like they're a huge band now so like that's awesome like like, it's like a huge band uh, out here for us in the area oh that's really cool yeah Yeah. I I wrote that song I Miss the Misery with them Um, that's a good song that's an awesome song thank you thank you I'm really proud of that one and and it was one of those things when I kind of came up with the concept, I was like, no one really that I could think of would make more sense to sing this than Lizzie Hale, <laughs> you know, so That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> she kills it. And uh, yeah, just go back to the movie here. Uh, I was going to say, uh, did, did you feel like co-writing the film kind of helped you with playing the character of Sadie? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was, it was an interesting progression because this film came together really fast. Um, I had this seed of an idea and, and then I, you know, I sort of told spider about it and we, we talked about it for a few days and kind of fleshed out the idea and kind of came up with that big twist that happens. I don't know if we're going to do spoilers on this, but the, you know, the twist. Um, and once we sort of figured out how everyone was going to die and how, you know, what, you know, the motivation was for each character, it, wrote itself very fast and Mm -hmm. I think it did help me you know with it's interesting um when we when we wrote the script and then we did a table read once we had everybody cast the film felt at the table read almost more comedic um we were having a lot of fun and laughing and you know it, it, it felt lighter but then when we got on set in that environment and we actually had to watch people die and there was blood and it felt very heavy. And because I think Mm. because I wrote these characters and I felt so attached to them and so attached to Sadie, I would drive home and the sun would be coming up because we did night shoots. And I was like, I felt like traumatized, like genuinely sad that these people died, even though obviously they didn't die for real, but these watching these Mm. characters go through all of this. And, and so, yeah, I think I felt probably closer to the script and to the story than maybe some of the other actors. Well, um, it's it's cool that we're talking about the writing process because I wanted to ask you, writing something you know on your own and having complete creative control is one thing, but how was it co-writing with Spider One? Like, was it challenging working with someone, or like you know did it did it flow smoothly? You know, it actually went smoother than I thought it was going to, um, because I have a history of co-writing music. I've learned to be open to other people's ideas and not be super mm-hmm. precious, but still fight for things that I feel like are correct. And, and, um, spider has had less experience with collaborating with somebody. Um, but it, we actually, I think our visions were very clear on where the story needed to go. And I think also having the female voice for some of these female characters and then the male voice for some of these male characters made 
this, the, just the dialogue and it just felt more authentic to me. Um, you know, cause I could be like, Oh no, girls would never talk like that. Or, or he could say the same thing. Like, yeah, a guy wouldn't say that or a guy wouldn't do that. Uh, and I think having, having that energy, the male and female energy within the script, I feel like it really read when I watched the film. So it was, it was a lot smoother. It only took us like a week and a half once we figured out where the story was going to actually write the script. It was really quick. Um, so yeah, no, it, it was, it was great. And honestly, I, I hope we get to do it again, you know, maybe a sequel. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And uh, you were mentioned in the dialogue and that's one of the standout things for me is everything felt very authentic from the characters. And I guess that kind of explains a little more with you writing for the female parts and spider for the male but like Drew and I were just talking about this before, like we went on air. We're like the dialogue in it was just so good and felt felt just like I said, like authentic. Genuine, oh, thank yeah. you, yeah. thanks so much. Yeah, I mean, we didn't necessarily have a rule like that. You know, I certainly wrote yeah. stuff for the men, and he wrote stuff for the women. But I think, yeah, having those those real clear voices and you know the women, especially they're they're like the same age group as me, like. And honestly, all of us are friends. Like every person in that film were genuinely all good friends. So it, oh, nice. it made everything it, as we wrote it, we're like, okay, like we knew we wanted Lindsay to play Carmen. We knew pretty early on that we wanted Scout to play June and and we wanted Rachel to play Liz. And and the only the only person we didn't really know that came in was uh was Katie Ryan who played Betty. And we auditioned a lot of and she was just the obvious choice to as soon as we saw her tape and um and then since then we've become very close with her so we we like to work with a lot of the same people over and over again because we know what they're capable of and we also just have like a chemistry that you can't fake I think and so that that was really fun and it was it was sort of just like a really crazy middle of the night desert summer camp with a bunch of your friends so (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then you have that familiarity of working with each other, and you kind of know what to expect from each other. Totally. And uh, yeah, where did the idea for the film come from originally? You know, I I tend to when I have a shower, I usually come up with weird ideas, like whether it's a song idea or. And I was thinking, um, I was in the shower one day, and and Spider and I were actually both working on different projects. We were um, moving on some other scripts that we were developing, and. I came up with this idea that we do a bachelorette party that is like a contained one location sort of story, but you know, it gets crashed by the bride or sorry, the groom to be. And, and, and so I had like the basic idea, but and I, I kind of just was talking to spider where I'm like, you know, maybe this is something we could shoot quickly in between projects and it could be something sort of easy, but creative because you know, I really want to make something soon. And, you know, mm-hmm. and some of the other things were sort of longer projects. Um, and it, it was not quick or easy, just so you know. <laughs> but in the actually, <laughs> it, it seemed like it was going to be. But, you know, yeah, when you're, when you're shooting out in the desert, all night shoots with every element against you and nine characters that basically appear throughout the whole movie. Um, it, it's, it's a big undertaking a lot, but I'm very glad that it ended up happening. And, you know, so this, the story sort of, sort of started there. And then once we started talking about it, we were like, we need an extra element. And that's where that twist sort of came in. And we're like, this is either 
the stupidest idea or the best idea. And we honestly didn't know if people were going to figure it out right away. Um, but it's been pretty much unanimous that people have come up to us and been like, I was shocked. I did not see that coming. And we got to- I didn't. You didn't? No, I oh. did not. <laughs> That's great. Like, we hoped that was going to be the case, but that wasn't necessarily like, we weren't living and dying by that. It was just sort of like, okay, hopefully this surprises some people. And we were in the theater um, when we did the world premiere at Panic Fest in Kansas City. And we heard the room when the reveal happened. And we're like, wow, it actually really worked. Like, it was everybody just gasped. And we're like, this is so yeah, it got me good. <laughs> yeah, their eyes, that was not on my radar at all. I, was, I, I, I literally watched it and went, holy shit. Like, like I, I really was not prepared for it. Oh, I'm so glad. That's exactly what we hoped was going to happen. But, you know, we're like, either way, it's a cool film because, you know, it's a genre we we really like. And we thought it was really fun because we got to play with the lore a little bit. Um, but but it's been great that, yeah, pretty much every person has said that. They're like, wow. And every, and it's been nice to see, like, online people are like, go into it. Don't even watch a trailer. Don't, don't read anything about it. Just watch it. And so those are some of my favorite type of films. So I was very happy that this one was effective that way. Yeah. And uh, you were talking about like the location in the desert, uh, the house itself, like it was just perfect for the movie. How, how did you end up finding that? You know, we, okay. So originally it was written to be um, it, a cabin in the woods vibe. Um, and we live in Los Angeles. So I saw a gazillion locations and nothing was right. I almost, I swear to God, I was almost going to get chopped up by this cult out in the middle of the, some weird desert. I ended up like in this, I went to look at a location and, and all these people lived on the grounds. And I was like, this is scary. I, we can't, we can't work here. And then, and then randomly we just sort of came across this location and we're like, well, we have to drive out and see it. And it's in Lancaster. So it's, it's over an hour drive from where we're from, where we live. Um, and so we, we drove out and, the location not only had that amazing house on it, but it had the, that trailer and that and that other house where we later on find Puppy. Um, it was a house that was like in a flood in the 80s and they just left it like that. And so like all the windows were blown out and, and just the production value of how cool that location was. We just were like, we have to shoot here. The, you know, we're just going to rework the script and have it take place in the desert. Um, and you're like, you know, we're there in the daytime and we're like, you know, yeah, it's, it's warm, but you know, we're going to be shooting at night. So it's not going to be super hot or anything. So it's going to be fine. So then we actually fast forward to shooting it <laughs> and it's like, yes, the day, daytime stuff was sweltering hot, but the nighttime stuff was freezing. And then they would have, these, <laughs> and there's these crazy windstorms. You'd have like dust tornadoes. Everyone's filthy, like blind. Scout and I almost got bit by a rattlesnake. We had to have a snake special. Oh my God. Yeah, like it literally, like out of a movie, we're on our knees rehearsing that toolbox scene and she bumps a tumbleweed and like a rattlesnake starts rattling, like rises up in front of our face. Oh, and <laughs> yeah, and then we're like walking to the scene where, you know, Carmen goes off with the guys and has the infamous dance scene. And we're like walking out there and there's these like aggressive desert spiders charging us. Like, I don't even know what kind of spiders they were because I, I'm not desert someone who spider. spends a lot of time in the desert, but they were like running at us. We had shovels and we're like, get the fuck out of here. Like, you know, it was so scary. <laughs> 
So just despite everything else, and then, you know, we're covered in blood and, you know, Scout and I are wet from the hot tub and then we're running around and it's freezing. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was a really challenging film to shoot really hard. And we are all so tired because we hadn't slept in, you know, seven days. So yeah, we were, we were genuinely, some of the tears and the screaming and crying, those were real, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, now that you told us uh, the most challenging things about making the movie, uh, what was your favorite part about making the movie? And was it the editing process? Editing process is always one of my favorite because it's really, some. you know, a lot of the hard work and the long hours are when you're shooting it. But then when you get back and you can actually like watch the footage and see what see what's really there and you know I think the first scene I cut together was um that standoff scene uh with with all the guns and everyone's you know and when I cut that together Spider and I watched it and we're just like holy shit I think this is gonna be really good this is this feels really good like <laughs> yeah like we watched it and we had that pit in our stomach and we're like this is exciting and so so yeah, I feel like the editing process is always really fun and I feel like it's almost as creative as writing the film or shooting the film. Um, and then I think the other major thing for me was just getting to make a film like this with the cast and crew we did because our crew is like our family at this point. We use the same people for everything we do. And the cast, like like I said, we're all like genuinely really good friends and everybody is so good in it. Like I, I'm a actor nerd and I just like loved watching the other actors perform. I, I get like in awe of other people. And so it's, it's super exciting for me to work with people that I just think are, Oh, sorry. That's my phone. <laughs> <laughs> that people who are just really extremely talented. That's just super exciting. Um, so yeah, I think those are the major things. And just, you know, at the end when we wrapped and we're like, holy shit, we actually pulled this thing off. It was really exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, I wanted to ask you because you were mentioning how, you know, you're like an older sister and stuff. So you understand, uh, you know, relationships and, and, and the kind of bond that the, the girls in this movie have. And I wanted to know, like, I personally, uh, feel that the girls could have fought harder to tell June not to marry David. But I felt that because of the turmoil beneath the surface, y'all were like trying to like avoid a blowout of a fight. So you just kind of let it go. And now in retrospective, I'm sure all those characters would have been like, no, we need to tell her fucking don't do this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a real dynamic. If you're like trying to keep the peace, especially with women, like we all have those friends, right. That, you know, are making a mistake or, or they keep yeah. going back to the same person and you're like, this person is bad news. They've cheated on you. They're abusive or, or there, there's just something you're like, this is not good for your friend, but like, you know, you can't, you'll just lose your friend. And I think that's sort of Sadie's scenario with June is she's like, she has to be supportive of June. Cause otherwise she's afraid she'll lose her, you know, like she lost her mom and, and, uh, and so it's like, yeah, walking that line where, they may think one thing, but they know better than to say it. And then, you know, then it becomes very clear that, oh, shit, maybe we should have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think it feels it feels very real. And, and, you know, I've certainly had friends that I'm like, why are you with this person? You need to run. And, and at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, but if they want to go out for dinner, I love my friend and I'm going to go. And so, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I want to, and, and Spider and I both, like, 
especially the women characters, a lot of times in film, like people get afraid to show women being flawed um, because, but, but that's real. You know what I mean? Women are flawed. They're just as flawed as men and, and they can be just as strong as men and they can, you know, and I think like just showing like the more human dynamic. And I think it means more when, when the women, you know, try to fight back or, or that moment when you see Liz stand up for Carmen and she's like, take me to her. Like, yeah. I, fe- I felt like, oh, they seem like they hate each other the whole time, but there's like this deep, like respect and they do love each other and they do care about each other. Um, and I think that that's, that felt more real to me. And it also meant more when she stood up for her. So, um, that was, that was kind of our thinking behind it is just making just more authentic characters that you're like, Oh yeah, that's just like me. Or that's just like my sister, you know? Absolutely. That's why I brought it up because, uh, I I think what you guys, what you and Spider came up with really, uh, comes across the screen pretty clearly, like you telling me that. And then with the questions I had, because they seem like genuine characters. And that's why I asked about the turmoil under the surface, because you get a little taste of that. But every like real relationship that I've ever had has had that where like, you're, you're one snap of the fingers away from like, you know, cutting your best friend down, because even though you're best friends over the years, there's some sort of shit that you have in your mind and the same for them. And it's like you all have that and i felt that i felt that in the movie like they all had a little bit of like this chick's a bitch you know i feel like they all felt that about each other but we're all like just still like you know we're friends though so let's push through it and so that's why i uh i was like i think that the idea was that they didn't want to tip the bucket too much and like ruin the weekend by like just completely having an intervention sure and i think especially like with women you put those like like five different personalities like that in an environment that isn't comfortable and in an, in an, in a small environment, like, you know, there's that competition between Liz and Carmen because they're like the new best friend and the old best friend. And, and then you have Sadie who's used to always being in control of scenarios and being the boss and being like the mother figure. And then her friend Betty, who actually is a mother, who's like, you know, the oldest of the group who has watched June grow up and, all of these different personalities who have, you know, different focuses and goals throughout the, throughout the film and to see the way they react, like, you know, and people get, when you watch a horror movie, you're like, Oh, that was such a stupid decision. Why would you do that? And I think that's a horror movie thing anyway. But I also think, or we tried to think about, well, what would that person actually do? You know, and maybe it isn't the smart choice, but maybe, you know, maybe Liz didn't think, you know, her demanding to be taken to Carmen was, that was going to be the outcome. I'm sure she didn't think it was going to be good, but I'm sure she also didn't think that it was going to be that bad. You know, you know what I yeah, mean? Right. <laughs> so. Right. And um, I will say that uh, at the beginning of this episode, we do say that there is spoilers and that we, we do give a warning to our listeners to not tune in past a certain point so they know not to catch anything they don't want to hear. So I'm going to officially uh, read off uh, the first spoiler question that I have. Uh, okay. the, the vampires in this movie have got to be the rudest motherfucking vampire clan that I have ever <laughs> seen. They have no hospitality whatsoever. They're definitely not the Lost Boys. Am I right? No, no. I mean, we really, we, if we were going to uh, do a vampire thing, I didn't want to do vampires we've all seen before where it's like the, you know, super sexy, high class, sophisticated vampires or, yeah, the more creature-esque vampires. We're trying to do something that's a little different. And I think there is a charm to these guys. Like, it's funny, like, women in certain parts of the country or certain places, like, it'll be like, oh my God, 
that's like the exact type guy I like. Like that's just, he's just like, (laughs) you know, and, and so like there is something endearing and charming about them and like rugged. And you can kind of see why a city girl that's like sort of rebelling, like June's like, I just want that. I want like a man that's just going to like say what they think and not give a shit. And so, yeah, when we went into the the vampire thing, we're like, this will be cool because I think that people watching it would never expect these guys to be vampires. They don't seem like it and they just sort of speak their mind and they're very like dirty and and, you know and so but yeah I I think that's also real life I'm I'm from Canada from like a small town in Canada and I I know guys like this they're not vampires and they're not murderers (laughs) you know my brother is friends with these guys you know so yeah it's like and you don't see it coming because I feel like you see them and you think of like, oh, these are just like some redneck dudes that are going to like murder them. And like, you don't expect yep. vampires. And then like, you see the teeth and I'm just like, holy shit. Like, I was not ready for that. I just thought it was just a bunch of creepy rednecks like that were going to kill these women. Like, yeah, right. like it was it was well done. To, like, I don't I don't think anybody saw that coming. I mean, so far I haven't heard anybody and thank you. I mean, I think that the whole idea with that uncomfortably long dance with Carmen was to really be like, people are like, Oh my God, you know, this girl's going to get raped. This is going to be horrible. Like this is going to be like a spit on your grave or something like, you know, it's going to, yeah. and, and we wanted to let it sit long enough that people are like, Oh my God, stop, please stop. These guys are going to do something so bad. And then they do something so much worse. You know what I mean? They actually freaking eat her. And I think that that's, that was sort of, I mean, it was really sad though to kill Carmen. That was a really, (laughs) really, really sad one. I'm not going to lie. And uh, yeah, followed up on Drew's lost boys question. I want to say, what's your favorite vampire movie? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I have a couple. I mean, other than Bury the Bride, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the original Fright Night is, is my number one. Yeah. Um, but I also am a huge... I, I was actually lucky enough to get to be in one of these films. I really love um, Underworld. And I was got to be in Underworld Evolution. Oh, yeah. yeah. Play a vampire. And that was... I, it, I was so excited when I got that role because I, I loved the first one a totally different type of movie, but I thought they're really cool and clever and um, stylistic. And, um, and I, obviously I love interview with the vampire and, uh, but yeah, I think Fright Night still might hold it for me. It's just, there's something so unnerving about that film. As a kid, that was, that was the vampire movie. I watched the most. I watched it all the time. (laughs) It's so good. Um, and uh, our producer Josh, no lie, is a huge Spice Girls fan. Oh, well, good. Uh, he lo- he he loved the Spice World reference. He wanted us to ask, "Who is your favorite Spice Girl, and why is it Scary Spice?" <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, the Spice Girl thing really <laughs> for me. I used to make my siblings dress up like the Spice Girls and make them perform. I was such a diehard like. I had every Barbie doll, every, I was, it, and honestly, as an adult, I got to see them, a young adult, and I, like, cried the whole concert, like, I'm such a, but I don't know, <laughs> I think my favorite's, like, picking my favorite child, but I, I always really liked Baby, I don't, I just liked her voice, um, but I don't know, I, w- I would change my mind, it's sort of, like, for me, Spice Girls and Friends go hand in hand, and, like, picking your favorite Friends episode is, like impossible you know so 
I'm, I'm a total dork, and yeah. But I, I mean, I was really excited to get the Spice Girls thing in there, and I, my my sister thought that was really funny because I totally used to do that to her. So, <laughs> uh, and I, w- how much blood was used in the film? Because this is a gory one, and I mean, the effects are really well done, but it seemed like there was a lot of blood in this one. There was. Um, I feel like definitely Carmen's death. There was. An excessive amount of blood and the and June's death. That was that was pretty crazy because we were just and then the whole like stabbing David thing. That was we were so cold. Like, but it, I I couldn't even tell you how many gallons of blood. But I can tell you that it was the most uncomfortable thing ever to shoot that that big ending because it was just not only did we have to be literally sprayed over and over and over again with blood, but then we had to lay in it and it was cold and wet and it was freezing out. And then there was, you know, I talked about the spiders and the bugs out there, like fake blood, they're attracted to it. It's sugary. So like Dylan, the guy who plays David, who is amazing in the film, he, he got up after he, he did his death scene and he had two giant squish spiders on his back and one alive on the front of his shirt. Oh, man. <laughs> it was so like, yeah, it was traumatizing, <laughs> but yes, a lot of blood to answer your question. It was, I, I don't even know how much, but I'm sure that they're still finding blood all over that house. <laughs> well, hopefully nobody's using it. Oh, well, you know, it's actually, I, I <laughs> The craziest thing was, so the the cast had this giant fifth wheel as their trailer. Um, it was it was huge. I had like bedrooms and stuff because we obviously wanted people to be comfortable amongst the the conditions. And it was brand new and gorgeous. And like I went in after we finished shooting and we had to clean it up, and it was so destroyed. Like I don't even know how we got all the blood out of it. It was insane. Like I, don't, I truly don't know. It looked like an entire family was slaughtered in that trailer. <laughs> horrible. Uh, uh, yeah. So we want to thank you again for joining us today. It's been a pleasure getting to talk about the movie with you. Uh, do you have any upcoming projects you want to talk about? Yeah, actually, um, my production company was Spider One Fox Productions. We've begun uh, our pre-production for our new film called Little Bites, um, and it's it's oh, a totally okay. different type of horror. But if you liked Bury the Bride, you'll probably like this one too. There is a monster in it, which is very is very fun, and uh, nice. And our cast, which I can't announce yet, is absolutely ridiculous. Like the people that we get to work with on this one, and the producers. Um, so yeah, so just keep your eye out. It will be announced really soon. And, um, yeah, we start shooting at the end of June. So really, really, really quick. That's awesome. Congrats. Thank you so much. Oh, and, oh, and if if you guys are doing, if anyone's doing the film festival circuit, I also have a short out right now called hymns that, um, our three-year-old daughter is the co-star of, um, and it's, it's been doing I think it's, it's playing at Portland Horror and Dances with Films, um, Apulia in Italy, and um, and Days of the Dead, which is in Indianapolis, and then and then in LA in August. So, and then there's some more more to, more to come. So, look out for that one too. And uh, where where can people keep up with you online to follow your projects? Yeah, you can go to onefoxproductions.com or the One Fox Productions Instagram, or you can follow Chrissy Fox, K-R-S-Y-F-O-X at Instagram, or and Twitter, I'm Nehi Fox and Chrissy Fox on Facebook, and you can follow Spider One as well. 
Awesome. And uh, yeah, again, we want to just thank you for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure getting to talk to you. Thanks for uh, stopping by, Chrissy. Of course. Thanks so much, guys. All right. Thanks to all the horror hounds and smokers out there for tuning in. Thank you again to Chrissy Fox for joining us today. Uh, make sure to check out Buried a Bride on Tubi. I mean, it's free, so you don't even have to spend any money to watch it. You have so. no reason to not watch no it. No yeah. fucking reason. Get on it. Yeah, get on it. <laughs> anyway, uh, join us next week, and we're finally going to get on to part three of Monsters. Where are the monsters, yeah? Yeah. Did you forget the name of the title, or is that just oh. your slang for it? I was just calling it Monsters, uh, dog. Okay. <laughs> Slinging in Monsters. Anyway, yeah, so I think we announced this before, but then, like, all right, we must be switched our schedule around so this will be our godzilla vs destroyer episode our first ever godzilla episode so i'm really looking forward to if that I, if i'm correct godzilla got bumped by jobo it did damn jobo yeah. bigger box office than godzilla i can't uh, i'm not gonna well yeah in our world in our be world, a bigger yeah. box office yep. <laughs> anyway so uh yeah make sure to follow us online high on horror 420 at facebook G- gmail that's you can't follow us on Gmail. So you fucked God up too. Damn, I'm glad. Man, we, we both fucked it up. I'm we glad. We even know our social media. Hi on Horror 420. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the last two were not it. We got them premium snaps for you. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Um, no. Send us some PPA questions. Hi on Horror 420 at gmail.com. Uh, check out our website, highonhard.com, and uh, about wrap her up. Catch you later. Bye, everybody. <laughs>